Hello, my friends. Good day to you. This is Pastor Christopher Alam in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well. We are on the subject of the call of God. And uh, yesterday we were talking about the ministry of the apostle and we will continue with that. And point number five about the ministry of the apostle is that the apostle, an apostle defends the gospel from those who would pervert it or twist it. An apostle will defend the gospel from those who would pervert it and twist it and he will make sure that the gospel stays and it is preached in its original form uh, in its simplicity and in the book of galatians paul faces a theological challenge uh, to the gospel that he was preaching so there was a theological challenge to the gospel that paul was preaching and it was widespread not only in Galatia, but in most regions where the gospel had spread. So this was like a, a heresy that was basically spreading everywhere. And um, this other gospel, it asserted that one must adhere to the law of Moses, including circumcision in order to be saved. Now, this is just an example. We don't have... Uh, so much of that these days to an extent we did because there are those who try to bring uh, Jewish elements into the gospel. I mean, we, we have heresies even today. We have challenges to the gospel even today. So there are, um, you know, there are some, uh, I mean, if you look at the challenges to the gospel today, there are some uh, who, pre who preach that uh, Christians no need to repent. So there's no repentance needed since Jesus has already borne our sins. Our sins are forgiven by default. So there's no reason for Christians ever to repent. In other words, there's no reason for Christians ever to ask God for forgiveness for anything since we are already forgiven. That's one uh, error that is out there today. Then there's others which uh, actually... Uh, say that there's nothing wrong with certain kinds of sexual perversions uh, that the Bible calls sin. They are not uh, for us today. Uh, they don't apply to us today. We can, it's okay to live those uh, perverted sexual lifestyles and just, and, uh, and it is because, um, because the Bible must be interpreted in the light of modern day reality. So that is another challenge we have to the gospel today. And then you, there's another, yet another challenge I'll bring up, which is very similar to the one that Paul faced, and that is the Judaism, uh, the Judaizing of the gospel. And uh, it is not that severe, that, uh, I mean, that uh, widespread, but there's people who said, for example, you cannot say Jesus anymore, you have to say Yeshua. And for me, it doesn't make any difference, you can call Jesus uh, in any language. Yeshua is his Hebrew name, but when they insist that it is wrong to say Jesus and you have to say Yeshua and you have to um, observe certain Jewish feasts and traditions and because uh, that is integral to the uh, practice of Christianity, then, then it is dangerous. So, you know, there are always things, uh, there's always groups of people who try to bring in things into the gospel that would uh, that would take away the simplicity of the gospel and that would pervert the gospel uh, so that uh, uh, it looks like something different to what the Bible says it is. And an apostle will defend the gospel 
from those who would pervert it because he wants to make sure that the gospel goes on to the next generation in its original form. And uh, so in the day of Paul, uh, this, um, you know, this other gospel, there was this heresy, which was actually, uh, which actually said that one must adhere to Mosaic law, including circumcision in order to be saved. So let us study this a little bit and we can see how Paul defended the gospel. Uh, Acts uh, chapter 15 verse 1, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the, Mos uh, after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So these people were actually teaching that, uh, 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 that uh, and they taught the brothers, they taught in the churches. This is what they were saying. Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. That means if you, uh, if you do not uh, practice circumcision, you cannot be saved. Acts 15, 5. It says, but there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed that saying that it was needful to circumcise, circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now this is interesting because this shows that there were some Pharisees who had supposedly believed in Jesus. They pushed some of their old Pharisaical practice and they had brought those, the practice of their uh, faith into the Christian faith and said that uh, people must be circumcised in order to be saved. Um, Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 to 9 and this is how uh, Paul looked at it. He said, I marvel that you are soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so, uh, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be cursed. Now, th this is very interesting, the way Paul views all this, that, uh, you know, sometimes we tend to tolerate these things and we say, well, okay, you know, they're still brothers, but they're preaching this thing and all that, and uh, uh, we all look at things differently. It's not that bad. Okay, we don't agree with it, but it's, it's all right. But that's not the way Paul looked at it. He didn't say, well, you know, they mean well, but they're a little bit off and let's tolerate it. He looked at it as another gospel, another gospel. So just imagine, here's a group of people who are saying that, uh, that you must be circumcised first in order to be saved. And Paul, instead of being very charitable and generous and saying, well, I don't agree with this, but it's okay, you know, uh, uh, circumcision was practiced by the Jews and uh, our Christian faith has Jewish roots. So if they want to do some Jewish things, it's okay. It's not that harmful. We will tolerate it. No, he looked at it as a direct challenge to the gospel and he looked at it as another gospel. You, you can imagine, he as an apostle, he, he was a purist when it came to the gospel. He didn't look at 
uh, such a challenge to the gospel as saying, well, this part of the gospel and they're Jews, they're, you know, also God's people. They practice circumcision. So if they want to do circumcision, it's okay. No, he said, this is another gospel. And he said, anyone preaches any other gospel, let him be cursed. I mean, that is how serious he was. And, you know, we should be grateful that he was. Because it is because of men like Paul, apostles like Paul, that the gospel we have been handed down is in its pure, pure form. And, 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 and if, if Paul hadn't been there, if others hadn't been there, I mean, you can only imagine what we would be preaching today. We would be preaching a gospel that had been altered and changed and amended so many times that after 2000 years, it would have borne any resemblance to the gospel that was originally preached. The, I mean, the, the, the solid, pure gospel of the cross and the blood of Jesus. And, and, and so living in our day and age um, with all these things that are assailing the gospel and, and people watering down the gospel and, uh, and sometimes we shrug them off. I think we have to realize how dangerous these things really are. And we have to make sure that we, that we defend and keep the purity of the gospel and preach it as the Bible uh, you know, uh, 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 says what it is. And, and do not let anybody pervert the gospel. So that is, uh, Paul took this task uh, as an apostle very seriously, defending the gospel. Then it says in Galatians 2 verse 4, And because of false brethren, unawares brought in who came into privately to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Now this is another way he looks at uh, at um, circumcision and keeping certain elements of the law of Moses. He looks at it as if we are losing the freedom we have in Christ and going back into bondage. Because Paul looked at anything to do with Christians living under certain elements of the Hebraic law as going into bondage. And then it says verse in Galatians 2 verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So here he makes it very, very clear that nobody, whereas those people were saying that you must be circumcised or, or keep certain elements of the law to be saved. Paul is saying that man is not justified by the works of the law. There is no justification within the works of the law. He says, we are saved only through the faith of Jesus Christ. We are only justified through the faith of Jesus Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law shall no flesh, flesh be justified. Again, Galatians 2.21, he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So then he says that, uh, uh, that uh, introducing elements of the law 
into the gospel, it actually frustrates the grace of God. So what Paul does, he does it. I mean, he draws a very clear line and makes a clear demarcation between law and grace, uh, between the old and the new. Paul makes a very, you know, Paul was very radical when he came to this. He didn't say, well, you know, we have Jewish roots, so let us, uh, uh, let us incorporate some Jewish things into the practice of Christianity. And that's what many, many people are trying to these days. These days, I wonder what Paul would say about all this that is going on if he was alive today. It's one thing to study uh, the Old Testament and understand, uh, you know, uh, Jewish rituals and practices and Jewish laws. And it is important for us to understand them because those things are types and shadows uh, of what is fulfilled in Christ. And, and the Bible is, is not just the New Testament. It is the whole of the Bible. The Bible as a whole is the Old Testament and the New Testament. But we must understand that we do not practice the Old Testament. We practice what is taught in the New Testament. And the Old Testament presents to us uh, the, the types and shadows of, of things that are fulfilled in Christ. And the Old Testament points to Jesus. We see the prophetic scriptures. So we understand the Old Testament in the light of the New. But we don't take things from the Old Testament and things of the Mosaic law and begin to practice them as Christians and incorporate them as part of the gospel in the sense that we cannot be saved unless we, we, uh, we do the Jewish this and the that and the other. This, and Paul was very, very radical because he knew that these things, these outside influences, once outside influences and outside thoughts, once they come into the gospel, they become part and parcel of people's understanding of the gospel. And so we have a false gospel, which we become, which is actually a perverted gospel. And he wanted to keep and to preserve the gospel in its pure original form uh, instead of handing a perverted gospel to the next generation. So today, our biggest challenge is this uh, whole thing of sexual perversion and sin that is in the world, that things that were shameful a generation ago are totally acceptable today. And these are things uh, that go against what the scripture teaches. And so we have to be very, very careful that we guard uh, and protect the gospel so that these sinful things do not get included in the gospel and the next generation uh, uh, preacher, you know, preachers preaches that these things are okay. They were considered to be sin, but they're not really sinful. They are okay because the most important thing is, is, you know, is, is not what is sin and what is not sin. But the most important thing is that God loves everybody and we shouldn't judge anybody. And, and so we, so, you know, and that is the gospel that is preached in many places today. And we have to stand up and defend the gospel, not because we are attacking anybody. We are not attacking people, but we have this blood-bought gospel that has been handed down to us, that has been entrusted to us, and the salvation of every man, woman, and child is through this gospel. That is why it is our duty to keep the gospel 
and to preserve it in its original pure form. So uh, that is what Paul did. He defended the purity of the gospel and that is a part of the ministry of an apostle. And uh, so in Galatians 3 verses 1 to 5, now I'm telling you all this just to give an example of how seriously the apostle Paul took when he saw, uh, you know, the, these attacks that were against the gospel and he saw what it was happening and um, the direction it was taking the gospel message. So it says in Galatians 3 verses 1 to 5, O foolish Galatians who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you. This only would I learn of you received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are ye now made perfect by the flesh have you suffered so many things in vain if it be yet in vain he that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith so now he's He's saying to the Galatians because this whole thing that you must keep the Jewish law to be saved was evidently uh, quite uh, had had quite an influence on the church in Galatia. So he says, oh, foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? It's almost like they were under spell. Who has enthralled you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. And you see, because Christ crucified is God's answer to legalism and the law. Because Christ crucified means that at the cross, Jesus Christ paid for all of our sins. And that's the only way we can be justified through the cross of Jesus. <coughs> that is the only way through which man can be saved. He says, this only would I learn you, learn of you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? So what he's saying is that legalism, keeping the law of Moses is the flesh, but faith in Jesus is of the spirit. He says, have you now, you, you received Jesus and you, you, you begin in the Holy Ghost. Are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministers to you, the spirit and works miracles among you, does it do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Galatians 3, 10 to 14, he says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth, not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident that just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So this, what he's saying basically uh, that um, living under the law is a curse and Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law 
because it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Then it says in Galatians 5 verses 1 to 9, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Jesus Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I say unto you, that if you are circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect on you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. You know, this is a, a term, this is a term uh, that people have actually people have gotten from the Bible. It talks, you know, people say someone has fallen from grace. The media normally uses it for people who have fallen into sin. If people have fallen into sin, have been disgraced, they said he fell from grace. But the Bible says to fall from grace is not, it's not falling into sin that causes a man to fall from grace. But to seek one's justification in the law, as soon as one does that, that is when one falls from grace because grace is opposite to the law and so if you fall away from grace and you uh, you know you go away walk away from the grace of God and seek your justification in works that is when you're fallen from grace then it says for we through the spirit wait for the hope of righteousness of faith for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but faith which worketh by love Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you shall not obey the truth? This persuasion comes not of him who calls you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. What he says is that a little bit of yeast, what it does, it affects the whole, um, you know, when, when you, um, how do you say, when you take some flour, mix it with water, put some yeast in there, and then, uh, the whole dough, that's the word, dough. When you take the dough and there's a little bit of yeast in the dough, that little bit of yeast influences the entire dough. So that is why Paul was so intent on um, defending uh, the church from these heresies, even if they were small things. And he perceived them as an attack on the integrity of the gospel. And he knew that if this thing was allowed to go unchecked, the next generation would be uh, would receive a gospel that is twisted, that is perverted. And, and, and that's why he said, we must defend the gospel. So a little... A little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, yeast it perverts the whole dough. So if you if you look at uh, the church as it is, you look at the body of Christ, and we are all here. We are saved because of the gospel. So that is one thing we cannot afford uh, uh, to see perverted or twisted or bent or changed in any way. And that is the gospel message. So. An apostle, that's the one thing that the, one of the things that the apostle does, that he is set there. Paul said, I am set for the defense of the gospel. So, um, because he doesn't want even the slightest amount of yeast to come in uh, and pervert the gospel. That is why the gospel must be defended. And, and these things are very subtle, the way they come in uh, to 
into the church and until uh, you know when that little bit of yeast comes and and perverts the whole dough what what that means that you know there are practices and beliefs that are not in line with the word of god that are not pleasing to god they go mainstream and they're accepted by everybody and we see that happening these days we see diff as i said earlier different kinds of uh, sexual perversions they uh, they have been accepted as as being okay and God is okay with them. You can be a Christian and still live that way and believe those things and do those things. And the gospel has to, I mean, look, people can do what they like, but don't bring that into the gospel. And don't say that God is okay with these things because he's not. So that is why we, we have to be very strong uh, about, uh, about these things and defend the gospel. So, so to sum it up, uh, the the five main things about the ministry of an apostle are the following. Firstly, an apostle is a pioneer to people unreached by the gospel. I mean, these are the things I see in the Bible, and I'm using the life of the apostle Paul as an example. Now, uh, the modern day definition of apostle, people might not agree with me. They might say, well, there are other kinds of apostles, but you know, I, I only have the scripture to go by. If you were to ask, what is an apostle? What does an apostle do? I would always say like with everybody else, let's go to the Bible, let's go to the New Testament and see who an apostle is and what an apostle does and not make up other things, you know, and uh, uh, we, um, and, 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 and put a label on it and say, this is what an apostle does. We have to go to the Bible and these are the things we see in the Bible. An apostle is a pioneer to people unreached by the gospel. Um, because right in the beginning, uh, the 12 men who followed Jesus, uh, who he appointed as apostles, his disciples, they, the, which who we know as the 12 apostles of the Lamb, they are the ones for whom the designation apostle was used. But after the resurrection of Jesus, there were other apostles who God raised up. Uh, and 12 of them are mentioned in the New Testament. And all of them, they were men and one woman, Junia, who were sent by the church to preach the gospel to the unreached to spread the gospel and to plant churches. So that was what an apostle did in the old, uh, you know, in the New Testament. After the resurrection of Jesus, an apostle was a person who was sent out by the church to preach the gospel to the unreached and to raise up churches. So an apostle is a pioneer to people unreached by the gospel. And an apostle preaches with signs, wonders, and miracles. An apostle uh, lays foundations and establishes churches and leaders. An apostle, he lays foundations. He doesn't build on anyone else's foundation, but he goes to the places where no foundation has been laid. There's no foundation of the gospel and he will lay foundations there and he'll establish churches and he'll, he will raise up leaders. Then the third thing, an apostle has signs falling. There are signs and wonders and miracles that uh, that punctuate the preaching of the gospel. Fourthly, an apostle puts the church first and himself last. So, uh, apostle lays down his life for the church. That's what he does. He wants to, uh, the church to be strong and the church uh, to be established and he will put his own life on the line for that. That's why in the New Testament, the apostles were the first to be punished. They were first to be beaten up. They were the first to go to prison. They were first to be executed. 
all for the sake of the church. And lastly, an apostle defends the gospel from those who would twist it and pervert it. Praise God. So now we have studied the ministry of, uh, of the apostle. And tomorrow what I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to teach you about the ministry of the prophet. So we will study about the ministry of the prophet. But let us uh, pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for your hand upon our lives, Father. No matter whatever we are called to do. We thank you that you love us and you have put, in the, put the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us and you want to use us for your glory. Lord Jesus, be glorified in all things. May your name be exalted in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you and just keep on walking with God and stay strong in prayer and I'll be seeing you back tomorrow. God bless you.